Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Franco Evans. What up? Fran, what's going on, man? Not much. Chilling. It's not a Sunday, so I'm chilling. Well, it comes out on Monday, so, but you know. Well, it's Sunday, and we're all being honest, and in, this, in, this, in yeah. this time pocket where we are right now, we are speaking to you from the past. It is Sunday. Yeah, but it's just a relaxed day for me. How about you? Um, It's not bad. I got out of the house today, put on pants. For the first time in a while, because I got my soft cast off, uh, so I'm in an air cast now, but the air cast you can take on and off, so I was able cool. to put pants on, mm-hmm. then put the assemble the boot over top of the pants. Right. It's been a while since I've been able to do that, so I put on pants, and so I've been going outside like a, you know, like a 15-year-old white kid, like uh, just basketball shorts on, uh, cold, brisk hitting me, my knees are ashy, uh, <laughs> like I fell in some flour, uh, um, but uh, now I was able to put pants on, put a hoodie on, put a coat on, and went to go look at a house my mom is looking to buy a condo. Okay. Uh, I wasn't in love with it. She is kind of on the fence about it, but it was just cool to get out of the house. Got some fresh air. Yeah, got some fresh air, went there. The guy that was on the house, he was like Serbian or something. He's mm-hmm. like, the coolest, the call Oh, this is a bedroom. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> so that was interesting. Got some cultural experiences watching something on like the Russian channel. Cool. It was, I didn't even, you know. Is that like I, a package? Or? I don't know. Yeah, no. you, might, I think you might get an extra for that. It's international cable or something. Yeah. Um, but what I want to talk about briefly before we get into these good vibes, mm-hmm. um, this Samuel Little case has developed beyond. I mean, I had a, when we first when we first heard uh, rumblings of the Samuel Little case. Samuel Little was a man that last year he confessed, came out and said, you know, I've killed ninety plus women or something like that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a ploy. He's like seventy five years old. I was like, this guy just wants to get a better sell or wants attention or whatever like that. It's since developed into. No, this guy has killed a lot of people. Yeah. We still don't know if it's 90, but it's gotten up to a number where it's like 28, 30 confirmed. So it's like, I mean, he might have killed 90 people. And now he's gotten to the point at this point where he's drawing the victims from memory to assist in all the... Because he's getting visitors every day. That's Pu- nuts. Washington Post, people want to interview him. Uh, FBI investigators want to try to solve cold cases. And he's like, okay, uh, what was that? Oh, uh, the summer of 68? Uh, yeah, I was in Oregon. What'd she look like? Uh, I killed a girl. She looked like this. And he's drawing them. So you can actually Google Samuel Little victim uh, art or whatever, and you'll find these 
they're pretty good. It's like it's like a uh, twelve of them, man. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's a lineup of photos. This yeah. and I think he's still cranking them out. That's from crazy. Memory. He's he remembers no shape and That's hair nuts. color and all this kind of things. So uh, this is this is really developed into a real genuine thing. He is claiming that he is the deadliest serial killer in American history. So mm. already I can see that he's going for a title and wants the recognition from it and all these kind of things. It's, it's become a vanity thing at this point. Now he's taking on the interviews. He wants to talk about it. Um, and when it gets to that point, you're dealing with like a megalo- megalomania. He's a guy that wants the attention. He wants to talk about himself. He he wants to uh, be arrogant and boastful. And when it gets to that point is when it's gross. But if it's going to bring closure to some people, solve some cases that have been unsolved, I'm all for that. But I just don't like giving somebody the attention when they want it. I want to give people attention when they don't want it. It's too late for that now. It is too late. But, yes, um, I mean, I hope nobody that's listening to this right now would recognize somebody in those photos. Like, oh, that's my aunt. Or uh, my mom told me that her cousin got killed when in the, in 72. I would say pull up these photos and just take a look at them. You, you never know, you know. So spread this around um, for the sake of solving these cold cases because this is, I mean, this is really, I, I, I'm still baffled at how big it's gotten. You know, I mean, I you you could you pull it, you type his name up, you're getting Washington Post stories, Rolling Stone magazine, you know, or BBC, you know, the, the publication of course. Oh, okay. Um, uh, and it's just it's just it's baffling. You know, I mean, as a matter of fact, it's it's actually 34 confirmed victims. So wow. every week, it's you know going up two or three. He's telling about this person. It's just going up every week. It's pretty insane, man. So I wouldn't be surprised if we could potentially get up to 90. If he goes, at the, keeps going at this pace. That's crazy. Because I mean, I did, I, I did Samuel Little as my affirmative murder with the little bit of knowledge that I had, uh, probably like three or four episodes ago, and since then, it's been more developments. So that's a month, a month and a half tops, and who knows where we'll be by summer? We might be finding bodies. We might be finding solving cases. You, you know, I mean, is it, why he's not just telling where they at? I don't. He, I, I don't think he knows that much detail. I think he knows more of for like... For him not to know where he buried him? Well, well a lot of them... remember, I feel like... A lot of them... Again, I haven't read all the new information, but a lot of them, he didn't bury him or anything. He just killed them and just left them. So the elements got to them. He drove oh, them out to yeah. the middle of nowhere. Maybe they got found and, and nobody, nobody knew know. how right. they died. It mm-hmm. might be... It might. A lot of them might even be cases where they just were unsolved, but they have the body. Okay. I don't think he's saying... 90 unsolved victims that we don't know where they are. He can't account for them. I think he's saying, oh, yeah, I did that one. Mm. You know, whereas a a girl just, you know, a sex worker or a drug addict or just a woman that he liked, he killed and then left her there and they got, somebody found her, Mm. but they never figured out how she died. Mm. And I think he's coming forward and just saying like, oh, I did that. Yeah, yeah, no. Oh, oh, red hair, small nose. Uh, uh, alleyway in Oregon. Yeah, yeah, that, you know, I did that. Yeah, yeah. So, this, this, as this case continues to develop, I'm looking to, you know, I want all the information because it's pretty, it, it's, it's mind blowing. What if he did hella research and just lying? There's a documentary on Netflix about that, man. I can't remember the name right now. For anybody that's listening, it's probably somebody right now. Like, it's called this, but it's this documentary about this dude. I can't remember the um the the name of the documentary, but he. Confessed to a crime that he didn't commit, and so the whole documentary, he's telling people all these facts and everything like that. That like he's showing people where the bodies were, taking people out into the woods and all this kind of stuff, and had all these kind of details. But he didn't do it. That's he crazy. just wanted to be on TV. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People are crazy, man. Uh, so I'm not gonna. But it's gotten. That's what I thought initially. It's gotten to the point now that it's definitely not that. The confirmed victims, his information leading them to places. Unless his brother did it, and you know he's just like just pretending to to do what his somebody that told him this in confidence, and mm-hmm. he's just like, no, it was me. I'm lying, and I'm saying I did it now. I don't think this is that case, though. I think this is a person who, like in many cases, I think, a person who got locked up. He was already doing life for one murder, mm-hmm. and it turns out he killed a whole bunch of people. So I you know, I always think about that where I'm like, man, you know, like the Zodiac Killer, you know, BTK. I think, I'm not sure. I think he was, I don't know. I think he wasn't caught. There's Whatever serial killers weren't caught, it's completely possible that they just got caught for something else and are in jail already <laughs> for one crime. And he's like, well, I'm just going to go to the grave with this. I didn't get yep. caught for the 80. And that's what I hate. Yeah, you know, so this is one of those cases where this guy allegedly, he at least killed 34 people, confirmed. But he's saying, I killed 90 people, but they got me on one. I'm in jail for life on one. So he could have he kept that to himself. I just can't fathom a person being able to kill 90 people. That's just, that blows my mind. I just can't imagine him just re- off of memory doing these pictures. Yeah, yeah. That's I would crazy. think they all start to blend together after, I mean, after nine, after 50, I feel after like 20. Just, I feel like you just start making shit up. Yeah, I'm just you know. get this from brown hair. Yeah, you know, and he's drawing them. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm going to make this one look like, uh, you know, Paula Patton. You know, just kind of vaguely. Oh, look, this one looks like the mom from Good Times, but I'm going to change it up a little bit and make it light skin. Because <laughs> that's crazy to remember nose shape and ear, eyes shape that's, and all this kind yeah. of stuff. Like, that's wild. But they are leading to solved cases. So, you that's know, crazy. some of them have are, or they hope to solve some cases with his drawings. They they believe in it enough to give it to release it to the public. Mm. So that's pretty crazy. Anyway, somebody like that's my mom. Yeah. Oh shit. I mean, I I hope that's like what you hope, because as of right now, there's a bunch of unsolved cases, so there's a bunch of people without closure. So you hope that even though this guy's getting publicity and you know attention and all this kind of stuff, maybe it leads to somebody saying, "Oh, I can finally release my mother from you know my um prayers or." I can release this sadness because I know what happened to my mother. This mm. man killed my mother. Because mm. as of right now, I don't know what happened. She just died. And they don't know who did it. Mm. Or my sister or my brother. Whatever, you know. So you hope that comes from it. We'll see. I hope so. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to get out of that and we're going to jump into these good vibes real quick. Good vibes, That's right, folks. Welcome to another segment of Good Vibes. We're here to, you know, bring that levity to you, bring you that light and enjoyment and put a smile on your face before we smack that shit off your face because the world's not really like that. It's fucked up and dark. Uh, friend, if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and kick things off with okay. my affirmative murder this week. This one is, it is good, but in the grand scheme of things, I guess it's not good because it kind of shows you where the bar is for policing in this country to a lot of people, but it is Good Vibes in a way, because we've heard other stories, which I'll get into. But my good vibe story is uh, a case of um, kind-hearted energy from two police officers who had a, in, uh, a run-in with a autistic man. Uh, so um, 
when Ellen Hughes and her husband brought their autistic son to the hospital during a violent ad adverse behavioral reaction to his medication, they were prepared for a possible backlash. Instead, they were, uh, they were heartened by the response of the hospital security officers. Due to his autism, Ellen's 34-year-old son, Walker, has spent his entire life in and out of hospitals. Though he is ordinarily a very gentle man, he began reacting violently in a paradoxical response to a new medication that was supposed to calm him down. When Walker was uncharacteristically uh, began attacking his parents at home, they spoke to a doctor at Loyola University Medical Center in Chicago, uh, and they were told to bring their son into the hospital immediately. Despite their son's aggression, they managed to get him into the backseat of the car and bring him to Loyola. Uh, as they were walking through the facility doors, however, Ellen let out a yell in response to Walker biting her hand. They were immediately surrounded by hospital security, and Ellen feared they would mistreat her son. Which, again, there's no... That seems pretty on par with policing in this country. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's... It feel, it, the reason I said it's good vibes but kind of not to me is that, like, that that's... You're uh, prepared for that. Where you're like, oh, man, he's freaking out, so the police might, like, beat him because mm -hmm. he's freaking out without asking if he's okay or mm -hmm. something. Their just first response is to, like beat the shit out of them, subdue them, right. get them on the ground, neutralize them in whatever ways. But so I don't think that's good. But like she was surprised because like, oh, you're you guys are nice. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, um, the story goes on to say in the past, Walker's uh, aversion to hospital environments has led him to begin has led him to being handcuffed to gurneys and wrestled into submission by hospital staffers. And since the security guard were uh, armed with stun guns and thick bulletproof vests, she was afraid of how they would handle the situation. I just, I don't know, I'm not in that field, but whenever I hear stories, uh, somebody, I, I shared a story on the Affirmative Murder page about a teacher who got caught, uh, a woman sent her um, son to school with, or her daughter to school with a uh, listening device in her hair and caught the teacher just like treating these, it was oh, yeah, a special needs that. class, and mm -hmm. treating the kids like animals. Yeah. Laughing at them, pulling the hair, pulling the hair, saying mm -hmm. like, "Don't growl at me," because these kids are non-auditory, like mm -hmm. they can't use words. So it's just it's sad how we treat like people with special needs in this country. You know, um, the fact that this these parents who have a special needs child are like, "I didn't know if they were gonna like shoot my son or tase him because he's having a reaction to his medication." Mm -hmm. You know, like that's crazy. That's your that's the first thought you have. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of being like. Well, we're bringing him to the hospital. That's where people are there that can help my son. It's like, well, we want to make sure he's like calmed down a little bit when we bring him there. Because if we bring him there like this, they might react bad and be, this could go bad mm -hmm. at the place that's supposed to help him. Anyway, I'm making this. It's, it's a good it's a good story. Uh, so um, uh, Walker spent two and a half hours being treated and medicated on a hospital examination table. Uh, for the duration of his hospital stay, the officers comforted Walker by singing songs, dancing, playing games, and cheering him on through his discomfort. Uh, Walker loved it, Ellen told the Chicago Tribune. Uh, he was he was kind of mystified and charmed and started smiling. They were men his size who were who considered him a real person. That's so that's sad. That's, this should be making me happy. It's kind of bumming yeah. me out like that she's so appreciative of just somebody treating her kid <laughs> like a human. Um yeah, they, she was. They treated him like a real person. It's scary to be treated like a lion from the zoo. Uh, we've been to the doctor and the hospitals a million times, 
and I've never seen anything like these guys. The compassionate response is largely thanked to Sergeant Keith Miller, who also has a 14-year-old son with autism. His parenting experience compelled him to train his fellow security officers on how they should properly respond to autistic patients in a humane way. And that training was perfectly on display during Walker's hospital visit. And this is why I say that policing in this country, and these are security guards, so maybe it's a little bit different. They're dealing with less threats. But policing in general in this country, what's wrong with an overhaul of how they do business? Retraining police officers and saying, hey, guys, if you treat people like this, maybe you'll get a little bit better response when you're dealing with these communities. Even if that's so much of like the not the don't snitch, no snitching, I don't talk to the police, that whole us versus them kind of thing. I remember when I was a kid, uh, I lived across the street from a police officer and he was one of the police officers who worked at the Powell Center that I went to after school. Mm. So I knew him. His name was like, his name was Officer Craig. I knew him. And if I had stayed in that environment, which my mother got me out of, thankfully, and, and, and moved me out to a better part of the, of the city, and out to the county, actually, and just kind of got me out of that. But if I had stayed in that environment, I would expect that if Officer Craig pulled me over or Officer Craig stopped me and I'm hanging with my friends, he would go, man, get over here. And talk to me like a person, yeah. like a big brother, like an uncle, any of that kind of energy, as opposed to, like, a lot of these inner-city communities, it's like they're under uh, martial law. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's 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 very militaristic. Get out of here. Get off my street. It's like, you know, I live I live here every day. Mm. This is not your street. You come you come in here from somewhere else to do your job. I live here every This isn't your street. But that's how these police are talking to these people. And hostility is going to be met with hostility when you're talking to people who are poor, mm. already mad, looking for a reason. Mm. Hey man, get the fuck out of the street. I'm on, I'm barely in this fuck you. You know mm. like so it's just not a it's not it's not an it's not it's not conducive to a working relationship. You know, you want to get information about something. You want to you want a, a tip. You want people to actively participate in helping you police their community, but they don't trust you. So it's like, all right, well, the drug dealer selling drugs to people. That's bad. But I know Kenny. I don't know you. Mm-hmm. And you're an asshole. So fuck you. I'd rather look out for Kenny than look out for you. Mm-hmm. Even if that's it, cutting off my nose despite my face. I might be hurting my neighborhood by not telling you where Kenny the drug dealer is, but I'd rather do that than help you because I don't like you and I don't trust you. And you'll probably, even though we all know Kenny sells drugs, you'll probably do it the dirty way and not arrest Kenny the proper way. That's how these people feel. It's just crazy. Anyway, this is supposed to be good vibes. And yeah, it is, man. and it is, <laughs> this, this, <laughs> the system in this country just makes me sad. But anyway, the point is, this uh, 34-year-old man who um, is uh, is still under the care of his parents because he has special needs, he's autistic. Um, these parents, every time they go to the hospital, they've never experienced the treatment like they had when they went to this hospital. The security officers helped calm their son Walker down, uh, danced and sang with him. And the big reason that these officers were doing that was because the sergeant of these officers at this hospital has an autistic child. Mm. So he used his own personal experience to retrain the officers there and say when you see these signs you're dealing with somebody who they're not cognizant of what they're doing they're just their body's reacting to something so don't treat them like hey man hey calm down because that's just not going to work they aren't able to do that so this is i don't look 
It's good vibes, okay? Shut up, y'all, okay? Just shut up. Look, listen. Just listen to me. This was good vibes. You're happy now, okay? This is not depressing. I want everybody to listen to me. You are happy. I just told you a good story. It is positive, okay? It is positive, but when you compare it to the everyday experience for a lot of people, it isn't. But this was a, sh a shining bright light in a dark room. 40% of that story was positive. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. Maybe only a small fraction of it where the mother says, these people didn't treat my kid like an animal, like mm. people usually do. That might have, but that is beautiful. Okay. I want to give a shout out. Shut up, Fran. Okay. <laughs> shut up. Okay. I want to give a shout out to the sergeant of the the the, um, the staff at the at the hospital. His name is. His name is Sergeant Keith Miller. He has a 14-year-old autistic son, and he used his personal experience to affect his job and better him as a as an officer of the law and a security officer at that hospital. Shout out to you, Sergeant Keith Miller. Uh, shout out to Walker, the autistic boy, and shout out to his parents in Chicago. Shout out to everybody. And I hope that this country someday, we never really as a country learned how to deal with mentally ill people. We went from throwing them into hospitals where they get treated like shit mm -hmm. to Ronald Reagan, shut all that shit down, put them all out on the street, and now there's a bunch of people. Ronald Reagan did that? Yeah. I thought that was, um, what's the name? Um, JFK. No, JFK. No, JFK. No, oh, JFK didn't right. do that. Ronald Reagan, uh, yeah, he shut down, he, he gutted the mental health. He gutted the hospital programs. I don't know specifically what, but, you know, made cuts so he can give, you know, tax cuts to the rich. And so he gutted the mental health hmm. system and closed down a whole bunch of mental health hospitals. And the streets got flooded with people who need medication and attention and housing because they can't work for themselves. They aren't able to function in what is, you know, the traditional layout of our society, having a job, working eight hours a day, being independent mm -hmm. and flooded the street with those people. And then we're like, oh, I don't know, get figured out. So... And it's still good vibes. This is still. Hey, Fran, what's your good vibe story, man? What is, <laughs> what is your. I'm a, Fran, what's your good vibe story? All right, so my good vibe is. Um, so this weekend is NBA All Star Weekend. Yes. For, was. I'm a big. Was. What do you mean? Well, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yes. So this past week it was NBA All Star Weekend. Yes. Um, so Ernie from TNT, you know, Ernie, yeah, yeah, Chuck, yes. Chuck and uh, Shaq. EJ. Yeah. Um, so him, TNT. Sports on TNT and mm -hmm. Auto Trader got together, and um, Ernie has a son who suffers from muscular dystrophy. Mm. So what they did was they invited um, a family, the Esca the Escavel family, okay, um, to the All Star Weekend, and they brought him in, and then he met as a kid and his dad, and I think his mom was there, mm -hmm. and you know his kids in the wheelchair. I think his kids, I think he was like ten, I think. Yeah. So they was talking or whatever, and they were saying that you know what do you have to deal with every day. You know, being your child having muscular dystrophy yeah. or whatever, he said, "Well, you know, when we get in the car, we have to. I have to pick him up. I mean, it's a, he. He has the little kid has some little weight on him, so I know uh -huh. it's tough for his dad yeah. to you know pick him up for sure and to put him in the car every day. Yeah, when he have to go places. So them and Auto Trader uh, got together and they gave the Escavel family a 2019 Sedonia, okay. which is a nice size van that is equipped for them to get to wheelchair in and out, so they won't have to." 
pick him out struggles of the, and pick yeah, him up and yeah. put him in a wheelchair then and collapse the wheelchair and take it around the back yeah, and, yeah. yeah 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 so yeah, that's beautiful i thought i thought that was cool and then also when they had a conversation it was like when ernie was talking to the little kid and his dad he was like you know how old are you he's like i'm 10 he's like oh you know my son just turned 30 and then the faces on that little kid and his son was like wow yeah like, yeah like i can yeah you, you grow up you can and, grow yeah, you can yeah. you can you know what i'm saying so I thought that was pretty cool, and they was happy, and then they called the family on FaceTime. This other family was crying, yeah. but they didn't even know what they was coming there for. They was just like, oh, we coming here for the weekend. They were just happy to meet the, go to the game. Yeah, they was like, you wow. know, you're here. He's like, and they walk, and he's like, oh, first, we want to show you something real quick. And then they saw him in the van, and they just started crying. I just thought that was cool. That's beautiful, but, man. Yeah, so they gave him a, an ice-equipped van, brand new 2019 Sedonia, so he can get in and out. You know, we're having no problems in, you know, their everyday life. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, man. Big shout out to the NBA, man. They're doing some really beautiful things, man. Yeah. They're starting a professional basketball league in Africa. Yep. Um, and on this past weekend, on Friday at the Celebrity Game, they had a four-point line. Yeah. And for every four-pointer that was made, they made a donation to the Special Olympics. Yep. So fuck the NFL. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, legit. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't, you know, I'm not going to lie. I did watch the halftime show, and I did watch the game because I'm a, I'm a fan of Tom Brady. But that was the first game I watched all season. And I guess that kind of <laughs> defeats the purpose because, like, you don't give them your viewership all season. And then, like, the biggest the game biggest when game, everybody yeah. – that's the when you really want to make the dent is when you shouldn't watch. But, you know, it was a show, and, and, I, and I did watch it. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it was this big protest. I just personally just – I don't – I can't really stand to watch football like I used to be able to. Yeah. I think it's a gruesome sport. Mm-hmm. I think that watching guys get, like, knocked unconscious is – very violent, and and though I do see the skill in football, I wouldn't want my son to play football. Right. So, I don't want to. So I don't. Not only do I wouldn't want to somebody I love to play the sport, I kind of don't want to watch it anymore. You you know you guarantee to see some gruesome injury like mm-hmm. every game, and it's just a lot to see these guys, and the 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 league itself treats the players kind of like shit. You yeah. know, no guaranteed contracts. They're kind of starting to go towards that way. But the NBA is making a lot of people wealthy. You can walk away yeah. from the game with your brain. You're not going to have, you know, uh, CTE from playing basketball. I think there's a beauty to basketball that mm-hmm. and the, that NFL just kind of doesn't have. It, it, you know, the pace is better. So yeah. I just you can walk away at like 35 and then yes, you're still, and, you're and still young. It's just you can live the rest of your life just the same way you started. It's yes, like, and even though. I think LeBron James is creating the pathway. Shout out to LeBron James. Great, yeah. great human being. Mm-hmm. I think he's laying the pathway for a lot of people because for a long time, basketball was just like, oh, yeah, I made a bunch of money. Look at me. I got spinning rims on my car. LeBron James is is really at the forefront of philanthropy yeah. as a basketball player. Using your millions of dollars to help communities, build centers, all these kind of things like that. Give back. He opened that school. Whole school. Yeah. Whereas NFL – a lot of these guys aren't even making that much money. I mean, millions of dollars, yes, but it's not worth it. It's though. not worth it when you're you get a you get a four year twenty million dollar NFL contract. But if you break your leg, they can just cut you, and you you made three million dollars for the rest of your life because you didn't really pay attention in college. You don't, you know what I mean? Mm. It's a lot more stories like that in the NFL than in the NBA. Whereas in the NBA, you can be a guy I've never. Spencer Dinwiddie, he's having a you know a, a couple couple seasons. He's yeah. worth. Like seventy million dollars. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> we don't know who he is though. So imagine how much money these big name guys are, and how much money they're making. And if LeBron James is steering them into the direction of like, yo, you know what's the wave? Fuck a Cadillacs and all this. Yo, buy a school. 
Yeah. Imagine if that became the wave. I'm just hoping one of these kind of things becomes the wave. Like the I think young KD lady did in Sh- it. KD did it too, I think. Well, then I hope it continues. Yeah. I know everybody in the NBA doesn't have that kind of money, but seven of y'all do. Y'all can pool y'all money and build a school. Yeah. You know, I just I just want these kind of I want the the woman in Chicago that built those that bought those motels for people to become a wave. Uh, people that you know grab people off the streets and just take them to a restaurant, buy them a meal. You know, I saw a video of a little girl. She was like eight, having lunch with her dad, and she was like, "Can I go get my food to the guy?" And he filmed it. You know, filmed her. She went out, gave gave her gave the guy it was like steak and potatoes. Gave him as he was sitting on the bench. You could see him from the window. Mm. Went outside. Here you go. You know, and then she came back in and just watched him. She just wanted to do something nice for somebody. Because mm. she said the dad was like, she asked me, like, why is he why is he dirty and sitting on the bench? And he's, like, he's homeless, you know, probably hungry. Can I give him my food? You know, I want shit like that to become the wave. Mm. Fuck a dance challenge and all this kind of like, let's pull together <laughs> and like do something beautiful for people. And if you want to do it for the clout, that's cool, too. Uh. I want people to do, I want something to be something beautiful to become such a challenge that people don't even know they're doing something beautiful because that's how sheepish this country and this planet is. It's like, oh, man, give a homeless dude a PB&J sandwich challenge. Oh, and you filming it. Ah, sandwich. <laughs> I, I sandwiched them, y'all get 100,000 likes or whatever. And it's like you don't even know you you're doing something beautiful, uh. you know. I just I want I want stuff like that to become the wave, and I think we're headed in the right direction. I, I I think people are starting to recognize that we're all in this together, and when we realize that, this planet, this society, people are gonna just be better. Yeah. So that's that's my word on that note. I feel like I got a little hippy dippy there. Um, what I want y'all to do is light y'all incense, cause what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take y'all out to some slow sensual sade by your side. We'll get real emotional on y'all. And when we come back, once you blow those incense out, because shit's gonna get fucked up around here. So stick around. You think I'd leave your side, baby? You know me better than that. All right, and we are back. Folks, I know I haven't said this in a while, but be sure to tell a friend to tell a friend to uh, subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Music. Um, uh, Spotify has become seemingly like it's going to take over the podcast game. Really? Uh, They recently bought Gimlet, which was a really big uh, podcast network. Uh, Apple Music is making no moves towards, even though every uh, iPhone you buy has the Apple Podcast app and everything like that. They do not provide you with any information. You can't find out much other than how many reviews you have. But that is that is something. Um, so I just appreciate people doing that anyway. 
And I'm hoping you guys continue to do that because that's kind of, I don't think Spotify does that. So that's kind of the only way we get of getting feedback other than on social media platforms. So Spotify is blowing up right now. Spotify is blowing up. They still have a long way to go as far as um, on the produce, like uh, content producer side. Mm -hmm. Like there's not a ton of information you can get. And I don't think you can leave reviews on Spotify. Hmm. So once, but once they do that. So you say I should buy some shares in Spotify? Uh, I think that ship sailed. Spotify's Damn. massive. Yeah, you, you, you no, no, Darn. yeah, you should have did that like seven years. Ago. <laughs> <laughs> but don't take don't take a uh, stock advice from me. But the Spotify ship is set. Nobody's gonna be like, yeah, you know what you should do. This little company called Spotify. You should maybe think about investing in that. Like, no, nah, that ship is sailed. It's, it's already done what it's gonna that. do. Anyway, so my affirmative murder this week uh, felt was inspired by this week's revelation. Well, I wouldn't say it's a revelation because people are still holding out there, you know, waiting for all the information to come in. But it is seeming that, you know, uh, me, Joe Budden, a couple of other people were correct that Jesse Smollett uh, fabricated that story and that he hired two guys to beat him up. And Mm -hmm. so he that's what that's what it's seeming like. This is your story? No, no, no. Oh. My story is a real story. My story is of a guy that if he did do this, he owes. He needs to go to. He needs to go to. He needs to go to this man who's my affirmative murder. Uh. He needs to go to his grave and apologize to him. And there's a lot of people that he needs to apologize to if he really did lie about that, because people really go through that shit, mm. and it's not okay to use people's it's pain. Like rehearsed it or something? Is that true? I don't know. I don't know, and that's what I mean about all the details aren't out. Oh. But there aren't many more details. To, that I need when he was on stage reading a piece of paper. Like, imagine if you went through that, right? Mm. Two guys did what they he said happened to him. Would you need to have, like, cue cards to go... I could speak that from the heart. Yeah. You know, I would need to have a, a prepared statement, you know? And then he went on Good Morning America and didn't talk about the incident, talked about how mad he was at us. Like, y'all don't <laughs> believe, believe me? Oh, yeah, okay. y'all don't believe... like. What? You know what I mean? Like, that sounds crazy to me. You know, where it's like, if you know you're telling the truth, you don't need, you're going to come out and shame people? Mm. You know what I mean? Y'all don't believe me? And then the final uh, nail in the coffin for me happened this week when he's he lawyered up. The mm. Chicago police were like, we want to talk to him again mm. because some of this stuff isn't adding up. And he, he, he's his lawyer. They have to talk to his lawyer. Like, if you're the victim, why do you need a lawyer? Right. For for me, this was the this was the final. I already the story itself was crazy, but I was like, you know what? People were sharing it, telling me. Some some people put it on the page, even tagged us on Twitter, and I was like, I'm gonna hold off. I'm not gonna say anything because it sounds crazy, but the shit happens. So so it sounded crazy, but it happens. Mm-hmm. So I was like, but I don't know. It sounds kind of crazy, so I'm not gonna say anything. Then it started unraveling more, and I was like, mm, that dude's lying. And and even so, I still could be wrong today and might have to backtrack this and apologize even harder because I said last week, like, I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, I apologize. But it's only gotten worse since last week mm-hmm. when I said that. So I'm even more on the side of that this guy's lying. And if he is lying, that's disgusting because that's what I'm going to get into when I get into my affirmative murder. People, this shit really happens to people. And you weaponized people's sympathy, people's pain to get attention, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So 
you know, he owes an apology to the LGBT community. He owes an apology to the African-American community. He's worse in tension in this country because what he's done now is any sexual assault victims, anybody who needs the benefit of the doubt because they can't prove it because what happened to them was 10 years ago because what happened to them doesn't have any witnesses because what happened to them, whatever he's taken the benefit of the doubt because now people can go, no nah, man, you, you were raped. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Jussie Smollett. Sure. You were, can you have, do you have a tape? He gave those kinds of people ammo. Yeah. And there's nothing okay about that. For he, he gave people a reason to say, see, man, I knew racism in this country was overblown. Look, he lied. Mm -hmm. So they're probably all lying. So my affirmative murder this week is the story of James Byrd Jr. Uh, he was uh, the victim of a hate crime murder in uh, Texas, and his murder led to uh, partially um, the... Yeah, his murder is the smaller, in smaller print, the bill that was passed by Barack Obama was called the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd bill, mm. which um, strengthens the definition of a hate crime, spe specifies some things, and broadens the category of a hate crime to include gender. But it's called the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. bill, but it's popularly known as the Matthew Shepard bill mm -hmm. because his story was bigger and broader and got more national attention. But James Byrd Jr. was killed in the same year, the victim of a hate crime, and I'm going to go into that story right now. <clears throat> so on June 7th, 1998, James Byrd Jr. accepted a ride from Sean Barry, Lawrence Russell, Brewer, and John King. Barry, who was driving, was acquainted with Byrd from around town. Instead of taking Bird home, the three men took Bird to a remote county road out of town, beat him severely, urinated and defecated on him, wow. and chained his ankles to their pickup truck before dragging him about three miles. <sighs> Brewer later claimed that Bird's throat had been slashed by Barry before he was dragged. However, forensic evidence suggests that Bird had been attempting to keep his head up while being dragged and an autopsy suggested that Bird was alive during much of the dragging. Bird died about halfway along the route of his dragging after his right arm and head were severed Damn. when his body hit a culvert. Now, a culvert, uh, that is a word I've never heard before, but a culvert, what it is, everyone knows what it is, is like if you ever see one of those kind of just like a random body of water, like mm -hmm. a, you know, you might ride on the highway and see like a, like a puddle. Mm-hmm. And it has like a runoff pipe, kind of out of the dirt a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's one of those, like a sewer, like a like a storm drain. Oh, okay. Like a big storm drain, basically. Mm -hmm. So he hit one of those, and it severed his arm and his head from his body. Damn, how fast was they going? They were probably, I mean, they were probably drunk, speeding, laughing, and all types of shit. I mean, like, this was a lynching, so I'm, I don't think they were going ten miles an hour. I think they were booking it down an open country road. Um, Bird's brain and skull were found intact, hmm. further suggesting he maintained consciousness while being dragged. Barry, Brewer, and King dumped the mutilated remains of the body in front of an African-American church on Huff Creek Road, wow. then drove off to a barbecue. A motorist found Bird's decapitated remains the following morning. Along the area where Bird was found, or along the area was where Bird was dragged, police found a wrench with Barry written on it. They also found a lighter that was inscribed with Possum, which was King's prison nickname. 
The police found 81, uh, 81 places that were littered with birds' remains. Ah. So they dragged. I mean, Dang. they dragged them for three, almost three miles. So, jean, ripped jean mm-hmm. shirt, shit from a chain. What you know? I mean, scattered along a three-mile road. Uh, state law enforcement officials, along with Jasper's district attorney, determined that since Brewer and King were well-known white supremacists, the murder was a hate crime. They called upon the Federal Bureau of Investigation. In less than 24 hours after the discovery of Bird's remains, the special agent in charge of the FBI's Houston office said that they were assisting because of the case's extreme circumstances. So they, the, he actually knew the driver, right? He knew two of the guys from around town. It's a small town in Texas. He knew, he knew of them. I knew a guy who told me he used, he used to, he used to be racist. Excuse and, me. Yeah. We aren't friends. <laughs> just, just conversations around you have with people that are like, okay. this is okay to say in public. Like Liam Neeson. They're like, that's okay to say I did this once. It's like, you probably should have kept that to yourself. I yeah. didn't need to know it. I didn't ask you. You could, you didn't need to. You could have just kept, you could have sat on that. How one. do you used to be racist? Used to be racist, met people like me, and now I'm not racist anymore, man. I like you. I like you. You're black. So I'm not racist anymore, I don't think. You know? That's insane. Uh, except for niggers. You know? Like, you know, like. There are there are people like that that are like I don't I like him man I don't I don't like those like coony black people though I still hate them you know so it's just us take that shit somewhere else yeah that's how the world is man I don't want don't I don't want to be your friend I don't want you to like me don't like don't like any of us then don't like me fuck you but I like people that are honest I like be honest about it I like people that let me know who they are yeah I prefer that over anything let me know who you are so I can. Stay away from it's like me. a puncher in your fucking mouth. Uh, you know, I don't, you got kid. You got a kid, man. I don't, you don't need to be out here doing stuff like that. Yeah, um. Anyway, uh, King had several racist tattoos. A black man hanging from a tree. What? Yeah. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Wait, and he didn't. How? I don't. You know, you wear a shirt. I look. I'm not. I'm not. Tr- I'm not gonna vic- I'm not gonna victim blame James Bird. No, I'm not. But I'm. I'm about to say. How do you? How well did he know this guy? I mean, well enough, well enough to get a hack. Nah, I've seen you around bro. town. We're buddy. Nah. You know, I, you know, I, we've been in the same bar, and he, you know, I don't know how everything played out, but he might, they might have pulled up to him, seen him, and was like, you know, let's, 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 he's walking down the road. Let's offer him a ride. You know, fuck him, fuck him up. You know, <laughs> so he's like, I need a ride. I got, I got three miles to get to my house. I, I won't. He didn't. It's crazy how quick just the little decisions like that can yeah, but change your whole life. It's just. End it, it's end just it about right. how how well do uh, the, my question is how well did he know this? Did it was it? Well, how well do you know an Uber driver that comes up to you? You know what I mean? Like Uber, if you they're not gonna pull up with six people. That's true. You never you. We live in Baltimore, man. You you never caught a hack before? No. You never caught a hack? No. Oh damn! You're making me sound dangerous now. Hell you no. Know, you never just put just put your finger Hell out. Hell no. And no. Hopped in a no, van no, to, no. Go, to go down. Call the a cab. Call a fucking cab. I'm not. I'm not. Stick my thumb. No, hell no, never, ever. You're bold for that one. What's the difference between a hack and an Uber? Hack is just hood Uber. Mm-hmm. No, with no app. Yeah, but you gotta get, you gotta get, uh, you gotta go through the process to get an Uber driver. Man, that do you do? Do you? Hey, do you not? Your, your, was your car made after 2006? Yeah. Yes. Are you a? Are you crazy? I'll take I my chance. Not. I'll take my chance with an Uber driver before I take my chance with a with a hack. 
fucking hack. I mean, I wouldn't take a hack in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> but I have taken a hack before. It's my Why? Problem. But this story's from 1998. <laughs> Why did you take a hack? It's my question. You need to, sometimes you need to get, like, Where, like who were you, you need with? to get, like, eight blocks. Who were you with? I wasn't with anybody. I need to get to my grandmother's house. I was on Monument Street, which is, like, a popular urban street in Baltimore. It's by the Johns Hopkins Hospital, for people who know. And I needed to get from Monument Street to Robinson Street. And what year was this? I don't know, man. Two thousand two. Are you insane? What? That's that's way before the way it looked now. Yeah. I'm, oh, look, that's I, tough. I didn't say I was in the best neighborhood, mm. but I'm just saying I needed to get. Why well, call a cab <laughs> to take you eight blocks? That's crazy. You know, you don't want to walk that far. You're like, I'll just hop in. You know, hey, I got ten dollars. Here's ten dollars. Can you take me up the street? Nope. I respect. I respect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I get to sit with you right now. Uh-huh, After you told me that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Respect. All right, so the guy, this guy King, had several racist tattoos, like I said. One of them was a black man hanging from a tree, uh, Nazi symbols, the word Aryan pride, and uh, which I think we had a congressman who was like, what's wrong with that? Like, what's wrong with saying you're proud, you're proud of being Aryan? You know, so that's just, just the state of the country that we're in right now. Uh, and the patch for a gang of white supremacist inmates known as the Confederate Knights of America. In a jailhouse letter, Brewer... In a, jail le- in a jailhouse letter to Brewer that was intercepted by jail officials, King expressed pride in the crime and said that he realized while committing the murder that he might have to die. So I think they're saying, like, initially we were just like, let's fuck up a black dude, man. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just fuck him up. It'd be funny. And then they were like, oh, we, we beat the shit out of this dude. Yeah. So, or, so this, is, this is after the fact. This is after the fact. Okay. They intercepted. They're all in jail, yeah. and they, he sent them a letter. He sent the letter to somebody, and they intercepted it, one of the guys that was involved. Mm-hmm. And it was like, yeah, man, I knew we were going to have to kill him after it got to this point. Wow. We couldn't just let him go now. It, it went too far. So he had to just not be around anymore and be a witness and tell on us. Uh, so also in that letter, he said, regardless of the outcome of this, we have made history. Death before dishonor, Sieg Heil, which is a, like a Nazi. Nazi, saying. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was King who wrote that. Uh, Barry, Brewer, and King were tried and convicted for Bird's murder. Brewer and King received the death penalty while Barry was sentenced to life in prison. Brewer was executed by lethal injection on September 21st, 2011, while King remains on Texas death on Texas death row awaiting an April to April 24th, 2019 execution date. Uh so that was my affirmative murder this week and as I said, um if what Justice Smollett is true, he owes an apology to James Byrd Jr. He owes an apology to Emmett Till. Uh, he owes an apology to Matthew Shepard, who, along with James Byrd, went along to be the inspiration for a bill that passed to wa- broaden the scope of what a hate crime is in this country. Mm-hmm. He, owes an, he owes an apology to Donye Jones, who was a young man who was discovered hanging from a tree in uh, Missouri. Um, the police um, declared it uh, suicide. But his mother was inver- involved in the Ferguson protests of the Mike- killing of Michael Brown. And there's a lot of fishiness surrounding that. So this is another situation where you might need the benefit of the doubt. I'm not saying that Dante, I'm not saying that Donye Jones was killed and hung from this tree. What I'm saying is his mother said he wasn't. Hmm. And the cor- there, she hired a private coroner and that coroner said that it looks like there's some foul play. So what I'm saying is people like that who need the benefit of the doubt he took that from them with what and he did and wh- where is he from who the guy that, that that came up with this alleged story Jesse Smollett yeah he's from Empire 
No, I mean where? Where is he from? Yeah, I don't know where don't know. he's from. I don't know where he's from. But his sister's famous too. His sister was um, in um, the Freedom Rider, not the Freedom Riders. Uh, I can't remember that movie about the the the, the Great Debaters. She was in the Great Debaters, mm-hmm. which is like this classic Black History yeah. movie. Like you watch it in Black History Month in high school. Like, and she came out and was like, "My brother's not a liar," and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, well, what's she supposed to do? You know, you got to ride. Yeah, but I was about I was asking because like if that if that was if if he made up the story, him being in the South is like that's make it even worse. Yeah, well, wherever he's from, he's not there now. Yeah. He's <laughs> long way from there. He doesn't, ki- you know, what I mean, like he isn't that anymore. He's a celebrity, and maybe his star was dying down a little bit, or I don't know. I don't know. I'm not again. I'm not. I don't want to say anything too specific because all the information isn't available yet. But it's looking like he lied, mm. and if he did lie, he owes an apology to James Byrd Jr. He owes an apology to Emmett Till. He owes an apology to Matthew Shepard. He owes an apology to Donye Jones. He owes an apology to a lot of people, man. There are people who, man, when that Ferguson shit played out and they had all these kind of protests and everything, man, in the last two years, people started showing up that were protesters with bullets in their head and burning cars that were ruled like, yeah, he he committed suicide. Mm. And it's just like there are people that are like, no, that didn't happen. That's not how this... My my friend wouldn't commit... Su- there are people saying that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that is a thing that leads into, like, you know, the denial of depression in the black community. That's a whole different conversation about a person saying, what? No, mm-hmm. you, know, Ke- you know, Kevin was funny and made everybody laugh and had a good job, so he wouldn't kill himself. Maybe that's more of that. But what if? Just what if? They were killed, mm-hmm. and it got staged to look like a suicide. This is when they need the benefit of the doubt to have people pursue the case, investigate it, go further with researching it, and in the world that Jesse Smollett is attributing to, people just go, nah, they, the police said it was a suicide at first, so it was just that. We don't believe you. Mm. We'll just believe the police first, you know? So uh, if if what he did is true, if he lied about that, he is beyond canceled to me. I don't want to see him on TV. I don't want to hear his name anymore. Any of that. I don't, I want him to just go away. There's no, there's no path to redemption for this. You know, just like there's no path to redemption. Somebody says some crazy racist outlandish shit. There's no path back for me. Some people can forgive the person and all this kind of stuff. Louis CK. I think Louis CK is a genius. There's some of his jokes are like, the way he finds a perspective and all this type of shit is hilarious, right? When he tried to come back from that whole sexual assault thing that he went through mm-hmm. by being like, I'm going to make an edgy joke. Hey, man, who gives a shit with those kids that got shot up in that school thing? What? He That's how that? you, Yeah, but he tried to do it. And I understand. I've done stand-up. I'm not a stand-up comedian. But I understand that in that realm, you have to be allowed to be funny and make jokes, and all this kind of stuff. But read the room. You know what I mean? Like, there are mass shootings every day in this country. Those kids are out here trying to make a difference. So how about you don't make a joke about them when you just got, like, you're you're trying to come back from some fucked up crazy shit that went on with you. Mm-hmm. Don't try to be like, oh, I'm going to step out and be edgy real quick. Hey, man, fuck them Parkland kids. What? Wow. You know what I mean? There's no <laughs> coming back from that. Some stuff you just can't come back from. That was your guy, too. I love Louis C.K. Some of his stand-up is like, some of his jokes are crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just the way, the little perspective he finds, He he's a very talented writer. 
But that was dumb. And already, it was already like he's canceled because he's out here jerking off in front of people. And then his his team is like, if you say anything, you won't have a job anymore. So just leave it alone. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, he, you know how, imagine like, let's say you love being a mailman. Because mm-hmm. you do. You love being a mailman. Let's say you love being yeah, a mailman. Sure. You know, like, hey, man, they might be listening. Shh, not really. So let's say you love being a mailman, right? And then somebody like who also works with you who is more power like the the uh the mail the Post, general the mail postmaster. the postmaster general <laughs> the postmaster general comes uh-huh. on the middle of your route and hops in your truck and is like man uh, that's cool man you got a lot of mail in here and then just whips his dick out right whoa now he whips his dick out real quick just to see you whoa man that's not my thing it's like oh shit oh my bad i, I thought that we had a energy kind of mm-hmm. thing never mind zip hey if you tell anybody about this i'm gonna fire you you might just fuck around and quit the job. Like, oh, you like this ruin. I don't even, this, <laughs> this made me feel gross. I don't uh, want to do this anymore. Like, I don't like that you used your power to like silence me. Mm-hmm. He did that. He did that to a female comic, you know? So to come back from that, to try he did it to, to a female comic. Yeah, he did it to a female comic. Oh, shit. He did it to a, I just tried to make it so you could, you know. Oh, okay. He did it to a female comic and she quit comedy. She was like, I mean, I'm who not saying, it? I don't know who she was. Oh, okay. I'm not saying that if he, if she wouldn't have quit, she'd have become. Mm. Of Sarah Silverman or something. Maybe she wasn't funny. I don't know. But I, what I'm saying is, for somebody to ruin a thing, because you have to have a passion for comedy to do stand up. It's not. Yeah. It's not. You don't get immediate gratification. You got to mm-hmm. grind for years to make it even a little bit in the direction of success. So if you are doing stand up comedy, you're doing it because it's a it's a passion you have. Yeah. For for somebody to take your passion away from you, it's something gross about that. She just didn't want to do it anymore. She was like, "This left a bad taste in my mouth." Because you know, if you're a lower level comedian, how you get stage time is somebody takes you on tour with them. Oh, so he, so he, he had the people wanna... that he was taking on tour with them. He'd just be like, hey, can I jerk off in front of you? You know how ugly and gross he is. Hey, man, can yeah. I? You mind? And it's like, well, he brought me out here and he's paying me money. I mean, he's not asking to have sex with me. I don't know. Yes. That's weird. But my whole point is like, so he did that, you know, whether people consented because they were like, well, I don't want to get kicked off. I don't want to. I don't know. You know, like it's such a confusing thing. Yeah. And she then, did the right thing. And th- yeah, but then after that, to be like, you know, you go home and you're like, that was weird. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Like somebody just take a passion away from you. Something evil about yeah. that. And then for him to come back and be like, all right, well, you know, people kind of mad at me right now. I'm going to be the bad boy of comedy again. Hey, man, you know them Parkland kids? Who gives a fuck about kids, right? Whoa. Yo. You know what I'm saying? The whole room was like, uh, yo, what? Did they all walk out? No, I don't think they walked out, but somebody recorded them. You know what I'm saying? So, and you have every right to say what you want to say in this country. You have freedom of speech. But, like, it wasn't the time to say that. Yeah. And what Jesse Smollett is way worse than that yeah. to me. Because what he did was he put a whole bunch of people, he left a whole bunch of people out on an island in the middle of the ocean with no life raft, no flare gun, no nothing. A bunch of people who are victims of crimes that they can't prove who don't That's have evidence up. of things, and now he casted a shadow of doubt on all those people. Like, well, maybe they're lying too. Yeah. So whenever those stories come out, it might go, well, you know, this could be like that guy Jesse Smollett. Being selfish. Yeah, I mean. Think about yourself. It was very crazy. So that was my affirmative murder. My affirmative murder was the story of James Byrd Jr., who was brutally murdered in a hate crime, a, a real instance of a lynching in America in modern time. I know this is 1998, but that's crazy. That's still crazy. You think of lynching, you think of like the 1800s, 1920s, you know, 1998 when DMX was out. That's crazy, man. Like, that's wild. 
So that's wild to me. And that's modern America. So for this man to be a grown ass man and lie, potentially, allegedly, I don't want to say straight up, but allegedly, if he lied, he is a disgusting human being. And I have no respect for him. So that was my affirmative murder this week. Um, the story of James Byrd Jr. Rest in peace to him. Rest in peace to anybody who's been a victim of hate crimes because there's nothing funny about that. Emma Till, uh, James Byrd Jr., Matthew Shepard, you know, and then pff, don't get me started on police violence. Anyway, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's time to talk about uh, some more fucked up shit with Fran. So stick around. All right, and we are back. Fran, this, uh, the spotlight is yours, please. My affirmative murder this week is... Can I get a drum roll, please? Thomas Sweat. Tom, do I know him? Do I know him? No, I oh. hope not. Okay, Thomas Sweat. Okay. So Thomas Sweat is a convicted serial arsonist. Ooh. Arguably the one of the most prolific arsonists in American history. Mm. Sweat set over 300 fires in and around Washington, D.C., oh. most of which occurred in 2003 and 2004. Oh, shit. Damn. Yeah. D.C. was going through it, man. Like That's like just a couple years removed from the D.C. sniper. Yeah. Then mm -hmm. they got people burning shit down. Yeah. Damn. Well, him burning shit down well, him, by himself. Him. Yeah, shit. Yeah. Damn. So when Thomas Sweat saw an attractive man, when okay. he saw an attractive man, yeah. he would follow him home. Okay. But instead of talking, I mean, that's what you think he would do. Right. You see somebody you like. It goes for anybody. Spit, spit that Attract game. Woman, a man. Yeah, you spit that game. Put your best Follow him, no. But, you know, you say, hey, you know, how you I doing? I mean, what is following, really? Walking we behind should have, him. We should, we should, one, one of these days, we're going to have a real discussion about, and, and, you know, I know we have a lot of female listeners, but, like, in 2019, I would love, and I genuinely mean this, I would love to have a discussion with some of our female listeners about what is flirting mm -hmm. and what is weird because mm -hmm. i think it all just matters about the attractiveness from a woman's perspective i think that a, would be pretty interesting yes like i think a, i think a woman though they wouldn't say it they would have yeah. they would come up with their you know well if you talk this much but don't do this don't touch me don't i think all of those lines get kind of blurred if you're attracted to the person yep but if you know there's a lot of difference between like uh hey how's it going and it's like oh that's suave or like Hey, how you know how's it going? And how you doing today? Mm -hmm. You should smile more. All that kind of stuff. <laughs> it, it, it's different yeah. when it's coming from somebody you like. Uh, so what is following? You know, like is that is if what if what if you're a little bit ahead of me and I go, damn, she was cute. He was cute. Whatever. And I gotta you know catch up. I gotta shoot my shot. You you always. I feel like I, I see a lot of women that are like, don't talk to me at all. And I understand like at the gym or whatever. Uh, but like, what if what if we're meant to be in love? And I gotta shoot my shot, right? I got to, oh, we yeah, you have the Starbucks, let me jog up. Hey, excuse me, can yeah, I talk to you Yeah, but you saying, don't, like, they saying don't bother me at the gym? No, I'm saying, I get that. Don't, yeah, I'm doing it's, something. It's different if you're attractive, though. Even it that, doesn't right? matter. I know plenty of people that met at the gym. <laughs> you know, if you like a guy, it's like, oh, cool, I'll talk to you at the gym. Exactly. You know? So I'd like to have that conversation sometime. If it's, if it's this week, cool. if it's this week, I'm, I would love to have it. Yeah. But, But he's know, not doing it. He's not talking at all. No, oh. it's more like what I think would be weird if you following somebody and you don't say anything. Oh, you're just yeah. walking That's behind stalking. me like like ten feet and yeah. you hitting corners as looking, I'm hitting corners, looking at staring at you, and yeah. you, you you catch eye contact, look yeah. away. If you like, hey. Yeah, I'm trying. You, you're yeah. trying to make have a conversation. Yeah. That's just that's just stalking. Yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> just that's just stalking. Yeah. So, but instead of talking to the object of his affection, mm -hmm. Sweat would set a fire to the man's house or car. 
Uh, and it's like, because his name's Sweat, too. I'm going to put a drum roll right there. Because yeah, fire, because it's hot. <laughs> so, for more than 30 years, Sweat set hundreds of fires in the metro Washington, D.C. area. Damn. Sweat even tossed in dis- in incendiary devices into police cars and then watched them burn. Damn. Yeah. Even Each time to set it, each time he set a fire, he used a similar gadget. He would fill a milk jug with gasoline and plug the opening with a piece of cloth that would serve serve as a wick. The wick burned plastic for more than twenty minutes. I mean, you have I I think you have to do. I don't know this. Uh-huh. I'm sure a, a normal human being doesn't know that. Yeah. But you have to do some research. Like, oh, you know, if you do, if you use a milk jug, it's plastic. It'll burn longer. Damn. Yeah. Uh. So wick. The wig burn how much plastic. Was gas in, how much was gas in 2003? Shit, I don't know. Oh, shit, man. A gallon? That's like a gallon of gas? I wasn't driving, so I didn't. 300. 300. 300. 300. He had 300 fires? Yeah. Yeah. 300. He spent, he spent, he spent like 600, 700 on, on gas. He didn't care. Yeah, well, shit. You buying gas like that? You buying gas now? What's gas? Like $3.86? Something like that? Man, I don't even fill my tank up now. Man, what? <laughs> Man, you better go get some bar- some uh barbecue uh kerosene from the grocery store. <laughs> gas. You gonna buy gas to not fuel your car? Yeah, fuck not that. in 2019. Nope, no sir. Uh, so yeah, so the wig burned plastic for more than 20 minutes, and after the fire consumed the container, gas fumes escaped the the caught. No, gas fumes escaped and caught fire. And mm. two different fires, elderly women were unable to escape and later died. I mean, so they was just... They just was casualties. Yeah. Starting in 2003, Washington, D.C. and Prince George's County, Maryland, became infested with a rash of arson fires. Sweat was a fry cook and later the manager at, at a of a Washington fast food restaurant. He was linked to the fires through DNA evidence found at two scenes where fingerprint, some skin cells, on a wick, and a single hair all matched his genetic profile. So he was just hot all day. Yeah, working in front of the of a, a, a grease a grease trap, and he then probably, setting fires at night. He probably loved what he was doing. He loved to sweat. Yeah, sweating all just <laughs> glistening. Just hot. No wonder nobody wanted to talk to you. You always wet, wet, greasy. Ugh, bad skin. <laughs> shit falling off and shit. Ugh. Uh, so sweat, um, sweat was captured after a marine after a marine corps security camera identified his vehicle at the scene of a car fire by a barrack. Sweat was obsessed with the marines. Both as self-identification and as part of a sexual fascination with men in uniform. Oh, buff boys. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. If I was, if I was uh, playing in that game, why wouldn't you be into going the Marines? They make you buff. Yeah, but how do you? F- but him setting fires is that how you feed your? That's his that's like. Crazy. That's his. He gets sexual gratification from yeah. the fire, I guess. You know. He likes to look at it, and like he gets off on it, I guess. No, but you, he likes men, mm-hmm. but instead of him talking to the men that he likes, he goes and burn. He goes and burn them. He burns them up. That's like his. That that's, is crazy. That's how he gets off. That's how he gets off. That's man. insane. I mean, jeez. Uh, he had been rejected by the unit by the United States Navy in the mm. 1970s, and his guilty plea sweat confessed to nearly 400 fires, Damn. several of them fatal. So on August, um, on De- I'm sorry, on December, on December, on Thursday, I'm sorry, on Thursday, August fourth, two thousand five, mm-hmm. two fatal arson cases in the District of Columbia were closed with the arrest of fifty year old Thomas Sweat, 
of the 500 block of Libium Street Southeast. He was formally charged in both cases with second-degree murder while armed. The first offense occurred at approximately 4 or 5 a.m. Tuesday, February 5th of 2002. Mm. Members of the 5th District received a radio assignment for, assignment for a house, house fire at 1208 Montello Avenue Northeast. Once on the scene, officers located 93-year-old Ann Brown, Annie Brown of, of the Montello Avenue address. D.C. Fire and Emergency Medical Services personnel responded to the scene and transported the victim to the George Washington University Hospital, where she was admitted in serious condition. On February 14, 2002, Ms. Brown was pronounced dead. An autopsy performed by the D.C. Office of Chief Medical Examiner determined the cause of death to be smoke inhalation and the manner of the death to be a homicide. Imagine making it that long. And you just get killed by some dumbass. Yeah. 93 years old. There's a lady that, this happened like this month, she was like 97 years old and got robbed by a dude. She had 20 euros in her pocket. That's 2250 American. She was she survived the Holocaust and got killed for $20. By some some dumb dude who just like robbed, robbed an old lady and like stabbed her or whatever. And killed her? Yeah, she died. Wow. Over $20. You survived Hitler. You survived Hitler and got killed by some dumbass. You're supposed to go peacefully in your sleep, 93 years old, 97 years old, not in a fire or murdered by, robbed. Crazy, man. People make me sick, man. I mean, for the people out there robbing people, one, you shouldn't do it. Yeah. But just one. ask. That's ask. One. Why don't you try asking first? Especially a little old lady. <laughs> you don't think a little old lady would give it up? I, yeah, that's why. That's my whole point. That's why. Just, look, just man, ask. Look, man. Look, I'm going through a lot right now. I just give me your money. Okay, I don't want any problems. You gonna come pistol pistol whip? Uh, what uh, she? What was she gonna do? Come on, man. Unnecessary to be out here strong arming old ladies. Right. The second incident occurred at approximately 4:30 a.m. on June 5, 2003. D.C. Fire and EMS personnel responded to 2800 Everett Street Northeast for the report of a house fire. Upon ex- extinguishing the blaze on the first floor of the residence, firefighters located 85-year-old Lou Edna Jones of the Everett Street, Everett Street address inside. She was transported to the Washington Hospital Center Mestar unit where she was pronounced dead. The story of Sweat's Sweat and his capture was featured on True TV and Investigation Discovery channels as part of the Forensic File series. During the Forensic File episode, it was said that Sweat revealed the motive for his crimes to the police, but in exchange for his confession, he asked that the motive remain secret. Fuck that. He didn't, so this, that's not known to the public? No. Even though, even when you watch, uh, was it True? On True TV or? Case Files? What, what, what show was it? Forensic Files. Yeah, even when you watch Forensic Files, like that's we don't know that. Fuck that. That's crazy. I don't do no fucking favors, man. Yeah, fuck you. That's crazy. I'm gonna tell everybody why you did this fucking weird ass shit. So the only things that were revealed in the episode was that was that he set the fires to silence voices that he heard and to re- and to relieve stress. Sweat pleaded guilty before U.S. District Court Judge Deborah K. Chasenal to various counts. Possession of destructive devices, destruction of buildings by fire resulting in personal injury, possession of destructive devices and furtherance mm. of, a, of a crime of violence, and in the criminal information 
originally filed in the District of Columbia first-degree premeditated murder, which is a felony murder, and second-degree murder, resulting in a mandatory life sentence before the same judge on September 12, 2005. They hit him with all the charges. Yeah. And then there, there was a later um, deadly admission. On January 11, 1985, Sweat finished his late shift as a cook at one of the Roy Rogers restaurants <laughs> and followed a male stranger in his 30s whom he found attractive. He followed him to his house. So Sweat actually had a desire to meet him. Uh-huh. Wanted to see the stranger again, uh-huh. Sweat went home and returned his house with a two-liter soda bottle filled with gasoline. Wow. <laughs> From the front porch of the stranger's house, he poured the gasoline under the front door and lit it. On the second floor of the house, the stranger, Rory Pickett, I guess that's the guy who was, he was following, uh-huh. and his wife, daughter, and stepdaughter were all sleeping. His son and stepson were asleep in the basement and were unharmed. The other suffered severe burn injuries, oh. and his wife, Bessie Mae Duncan, was killed. Rory, Rory Pickett also later died from his injuries on March 5, 1985. The official fire report at the time mistake, mistakenly blamed a dropped cigarette for the reason of the fire started. And the investigators closed 353 cases with Sweat's help. I mean, well, if they came up with that bullshit, yeah. that fire report, and I'd be like, don't nobody in here smoke. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I, that's 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 crazy, man. I, I only burned my arm. Like, I burned my arm. I was in a house fire when I was 14, 13. And I couldn't imagine, like, severe burns. Like, whole arm, whole face, whole body. Like, it just, the pain that I felt from just my arm, little arm burn, mm. I couldn't imagine, like, full body. Nah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it really is. It is a fear. That's probably one of the worst ways to die. It is. It is. It is. It is. is. Like drowning's pretty bad, but like the to to like feel your nerves burn away is incredibly painful, and I couldn't imagine what that's like. Like on your private parts, your back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like so. Because you feel all that. Yeah. Oh, you feel every second of it. Like I had a friend that used to live around the way, a childhood friend I used to play football with Mm -hmm. that. That was burnt up on Pulaski Highway. I don't know if you were, that was like probably like five years ago now. No, I don't remember. It was on Pulaski Highway. It was, they got into a fight, and then one of the guys lit him on fire. What? On Pulaski Highway, yeah, lit him on fire. And he, I, I think he just recently died like a year ago. It's, it's yo, it's, it's crazy. It's some, it's, it's, especially if, you know, if he died from it, it had to be severe burn. Yeah. It's so painful that it could send you into cardiac arrest. I mean, like, uh, that's, dying from it a couple years later is just a testament of like, how much damage it, yeah. you'll, you'll you never bounce back from it when you get your whole body is burned you know because your skin doesn't just like grow back and right. then it's just regular again and it's elastic again and mm-hmm. sometimes you burn and you heal up and you can't bend your arm anymore because your skin Crazy. is too tight so it is it is that's terrible mm-hmm. so i i i wish they would tell us why i would love to know why he was burning people's houses like if he was burning them down to intentionally hurt people that's crazy. But if it was just some kind of weird thing and he accidentally killed that guy he liked and all this kind of stuff, I'd like to know why. Shit. Yeah. That's, that's crazy, man. Yeah, so that was my friend of murder this week of Thomas Sweat. Shout out to Antoinette Rogers because she sent me this story. Oh, yeah? So shout out to shout her. Shout out yeah. to her, man. She, she she holds us down, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, she does. Shout out to everybody that holds us down. Um, listen to the podcast, sending us stuff. 
you know, giving us um, um, good vibes to read. Really appreciate you guys, man. We really appreciate you guys taking this journey with us, uh, um, listening to us get better every week. Because I think that if you go back and listen to week one to now, it's crazy. So I just appreciate a lot of for those of that have been around since day one. For those who just listened to one episode and then binged all and caught up, everybody, I really appreciate all you guys. Um, but enough of that uh, shit right there. Uh, Frank, are, are you ready, man? Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's, 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 <laughs> let's, let's, let's do this then. And now it's time for True Crime's Hottest Game Show. Frazzle! That's right, folks. Welcome to Frazzle Fran, the hottest true crime game show in all of the podcast world. This is the game show where I try to frustrate, flummox, and frazzle my partner in true crime, Francois Evans. So, Fran, I have just one question for you. Are you ready to solve this mystery? Yeah, man, that, that uh, intro never gets old, man. It's good, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we bodied that. Me, me, me and Sierra bodied that. I mean, we, I, we, we wrote that and bodied that, <laughs> I, I must say. Uh, but enough of, you know, enough okay. of you know, all that soppy shit. Yes, we did do a great job, but uh, it's time to get busy. <clears throat> Frank, your case this week? A woman immigrates to the United States from France. You know, because European people have a better chance of getting into this country than, you know, Mexican people, brown people. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> so she, uh, a woman uh, immigrates to the United States from France. Although she lives in New York for many years, she never learns to speak English or hold down a job. Nonetheless, she becomes one of America's most famous residents. And no, it is not Melania Trump. Uh, the mystery I need you to solve is where in New York does this woman live and who is she? Your clues? Excuse me, I'm sorry. The woman has a great view of the Big Apple from her home. The woman is unusually tall and statuesque. The woman arrived in New York in June 1885, and people come from thousands of miles away just to see this woman. Fran, who is, where in New York does this woman live, and who is she? Hmm. Where does she live? Brooklyn. No. No. Mm-mm. Mm. Statue of Liberty. Yes. Yep. That is correct. You get bonus points if you can tell me where the Statue of Liberty resides. Um. It is in the name. Liberty City. What? <laughs> it is Liberty Island. Oh, okay. Uh, but that's okay, friend. You guessed that one. Uh, I, I, I had a feeling that you would get this one. I wasn't sure. I think the 1885 one. Some of these clues I shouldn't read, but I, I, I want to stay true to the game. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you knew she wasn't a vampire. So I think saying 1885 is like, oh, it's not a human. So, but... Nonetheless, you haven't been frazzled this week. Nope. Third time's a charm. You are on a bit of a streak, and yep. it is a little. It's now starting to get a little frustrating to me. I will. I will come clean about it. Wait, that's uh, three, right? That's three. Yes, so that's it's my three. turn. Next, next episode. When did we establish did, that? Did rule? we do that? 
It was like I get three, and then next I get the I get the uh do one for you next time. Look, man, if that's what you want to do, cool. But you just made that up. Yeah, that's just not a rule that we have established. No, that's that's in the record somewhere. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Let's check the records on that. Check the records. It's in the records in the basement. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This has been another episode of Frazzle. I mean, this has been another episode of Affirmative Murder. Fran has not been frazzled, so nope. You know, uh, this has been another episode of Affirmative Murder. I've been Alvin Williams. Joining as always, my partner in True Crime, Fred. So Evan, catch you next time. See you guys next week. Deuce. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park